just starting again. And we're going to be looking at just this idea of looking back and seeing like how things have been turning out in your own life and like just identifying areas where maybe you need to start again or maybe you need to retool some things. We're going to be looking at that today. Now, I wanted to ask if any of you guys, you guys ever had like a, a fairly major automotive repair you needed to do and you had this idea that you'd do it yourself? I don't know if anybody's ever had that moment. Uh, my, I remember one time when I was still in, just towards the end of college, my cousin, he had a Ford Ranger and the clutch, he had a problem with the clutch. It turned out there was a clutch plate that needed to be replaced inside the transmission. And so, so anyway, he talked me into helping him do that. And, uh, you know, I, I'd never even, I'd never even taken a transmission out of a car in my life. And so we had to figure all this out. So we're in there, uh, so you find out, you know, how many bolts are there? Where are the bolts? There's a bolt there. How, why in the world would anyone put a bolt there? And so you're, you're trying to figure out how to get this bolts out. And then once you get all the bolts undone, then you have another problem is how do you actually drop a transmission out of a car without killing somebody? So, uh, so we just, we had to figure out all this stuff out, like how we're going to drop the transmission. And then we got it out. We got it. I think we got onto a creeper and we wheeled it out. We jacked the car up way high. We got out to the side. And then we, uh, without thinking, we pulled the clutch plate off. And there's this shaft in the middle of the transmission the clutch plate goes on. We pulled it off without paying attention. And we had the new one, and then we looked at it. We realized it could go on either way. It could go on this way, or it could go on this way. And so we had a lot of debate about which way we were going to put that clutch plate on. And then uh, as we were talking it over, we kind of pooled our ignorance. And... Uh, we we uh, we tried to figure out how does it work. So we like put it on and we like tried to work the workings. Like, well, I think it works this way. Finally, we just we made a decision and we put it on and we just we put this clutch plate on. Then you have to put the transmission back in. Figure out how you're going to get it back in there. How do you hold it in place while someone else puts the the bolts in? And it was just a lot of a lot of work. And uh, I think I'm the one that was holding it up and he was the one putting them in. And so I'm like, please hurry. And we get it all done, and then we get this moment of joy. There's, there's nothing like that moment when you're going to do your test drive. You've done your work. You jump in. You're going to have a test drive and that moment of glory. And so he jumped in the, the driver's side. I jumped in the passenger side, and he starts the engine up, and he put it in first gear. And Well, actually, he didn't put it in first gear because the gear shift wouldn't move. <laughs> so the gear shift won't move. It won't do anything. And we're like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. And so... We got a little bit of advice from, uh, I think it was his dad, my uncle. And he, he said, you know, you, you probably put that clutch in backwards. The clutch plate in backwards went. Okay. So we, we, we took some time and we had a moment of reflection, a moment of evaluation, thought about what we're going to do. And I thought we, we just, finally we just had to start again. We had to start again, start all over again. And so we did the whole thing again. We took out the bolts. We lowered it down, brought it out. Then we pulled the clutch plate off, turned it around, put it back on, and then we bolted it all back in. And this time when we got into the thing, got into the truck, it actually shifted, and it worked, and it worked well. So we actually had, a, had kind of a good experience at the end. But, you know, it would have worked a whole lot differently. Is When we pulled that clutch plate off, it would have worked a lot differently for us if we would have gone somewhere and maybe gone to a mechanic and say, hey, what direction does this clutch plate go? You know, if you, if you get some advice on someone who really knows what's going on, it can really change how things turn out. And uh, But what we did is we just did what seemed right to us, and it caused us a whole lot of trouble. Um, 
You know, this this time of year, we're, we only got a couple more days left in 2018. This time of year, it's common time just to look back and kind of look and see how things are are uh, turning out. You know, you, maybe you look back at your grades in last semester. Maybe you look back at work and how things have been working at work and, you know, how, how you, well you've been doing there. Maybe you look back at different relationships you had this year and how those are going. The truth is that each of us have areas of our lives where the results are coming in. And we really wish we'd have done things differently. Each of, each of us have areas where we really need to start again and, uh, and retool the way we've been doing things. You know, you might look back at your, you might look back at your grades, and I hope I'm not pushing on too sore of a note here, but you might look back at your grades and you think, you know what, there's something I need to change about the way I'm approaching school because I just don't like the way things are turning out. Or maybe you look back and you're, you're looking back at raising your kids, you're looking at different relationships you have, and you think, you know what, I need to change something about the way I'm doing that because I, I just don't really like the way things are turning out. Or or maybe in your finances. Maybe you look and you think, you know, I really need to change something about the way I'm doing my finances because I just don't really like the way things are turning out. You know, this is uh, this is the time of year when we really reflect on those things and we really see the need to really, where we need to really start again and maybe retool some things. But when we when we see those things, it can be disheartening. We can we can be really disheartened by the fact that you know what we need to go back, kind of like we did when we realized we need to take the transmission back out again. And you know, as I was reflecting on that that thought, uh, I came I, I came across a story that I thought was just really interesting about the 1929 Rose Bowl that I wanted to share with you guys this morning. 1929 Rose Bowl. Uh, it was Georgia Tech versus the University of Southern uh, not Southern California. Sorry, knee jerk. Uh, University of California. I think it was Cal. And they had a center for the University of California. His name was Roy Regals. And he became pretty infamous because of what happened during the first half of this game. Because he actually, he recovered the fumble. There was a fumble. He recovered the fumble. And he starts moving around. He gets hit a couple times. And he loses his orientation on the field. And he makes a great run for the end zone, just the wrong direction. He ran 65 yards all the way down to Georgia's goal line. He didn't make it because one of his guys finally caught him and tackled him on the two-yard line. And you could just imagine how that guy, how he must have felt. So they, like, tackled him on the two-yard line, and he, for the rest of his life, became known as Wrong Way Roy. So so it's like, thankfully, you know, he began to really laugh at that, and actually his life wasn't framed by that. But it is something that he was always known for, running 65 yards. It's on video, too. I just couldn't get the clip up on the screen tonight. Um but, you know, his teammates caught him. And then, you know, at halftime, because it's halftime, the team goes into the locker room. And Roy, you know, people are sitting there. It's quiet. Roy just goes in the corner of the room. He sits on the floor, and he puts his face in his hands. And that's just the way he stays. And everyone's wondering what the coach is going to say. And the coach comes, the coach is there. and He actually doesn't say much. And I wonder what he's going to do with Roy. And then just before halftime was over, right when halftime was over, the coach gets up and he says, men, the same team, that took the field as the first half is going to be the starting in the second half. And everybody stood up and they all went out except Roy. Roy just, he just stayed there. He kept his face in his hands and he was just in the corner of the room. And so the coach, the coach went over and talked to him and said, Hey, Roy, didn't you hear me? Same team that had the first half is going to start the second half. And Roy, Roy looked up at him and he said, he said, coach, I can't do it. I've ruined you. I've ruined the University of California. I've ruined myself. I can't face that crowd to save my life. 
And the coach, the coach just looks at him and he puts his hand on his shoulder and he said, Roy, Roy, hey, get up and get back in the game. The game's only half over. And so Roy listens to that. He jumps back up and he goes back out and he plays. Now, I wish I could tell you, and then they won the game. That's not what happened. Uh, you know, they, the, uh, actually when he had made that mistake, Georgia actually wound up getting a safety, put him just a little bit ahead, and they both scored in the second half, but, uh, Georgia won the game. But what did happen is the next year, Roy Regal became an All-American. He actually, you know, he just, he actually was a very good center, and it, it didn't, it didn't end his, it didn't end his college career. You know, and the coach, the coach just didn't give up on him. The coach didn't give up on him, even though he really made a big mistake. It's the same way, same way that God doesn't give up on us. When we wind up somewhere, uh, maybe not the place we should be, God doesn't give up on us. And he really wants us to have this ability to really start again and start over. And he actually has a real desire to do that. He has a real desire really to help us. In fact, I'd like to take a look at what, uh, what God said in Psalm 32.8. He said this. He said, I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. So he's... God's looking, he looks at this and he says, you know what, in the way which you should go, the choices you make and the way you live your life, I really want to help you with that. And I really want to instruct you and counsel you with my eye upon you. Like it's specific advice, advice that really is tailored to you. And that he really wants to, he really wants us to counsel us from the front end before we make a lot of life decisions. But he also knows that uh, we really, we really go along and we really need help. And through his grace, he really wants to jump in and help us start again with the same instruction, the same, and the same help. But there's a, there's a, there's an obstacle that, that we face, and that is, in the very next verse, God goes on and he says this. He says, Do not be as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose trappings include bit and bridle to hold them in check. Otherwise, they will not come near to you. The, the problem is, is we're, we tend to, we tend to be very stubborn. We tend to, we want to figure things out on our own. We want to figure things out on our own. And uh, we don't like to follow directions. If you ever wonder that, you just, around Christmas time when you have to build stuff and you have to pull out the Christmas, you have to pull out the uh, the instructions, sometimes that's, you know, like, I don't need that. And then you wind up with a bunch of parts left over and you go, well, I think it'll work without that piece. Oh, wait, what's this piece? And if you ever put together a gas grill, the first gas grill I put together, I was afraid to put gas in it because <laughs> I had a few pieces left. And I'm like... You know, this could be a Roman candle if I'm not careful. Uh, so I had to actually I had to start again and figure out where those pieces went and put it back together. But we just we just have a, a propensity to just not want to follow directions in it. So it, it turns out so it turns out that you know good information and the right information about how life works is really necessary for us. But the real the main key to us actually connecting to that help is just our submission to God. It's really that we, uh, the right path in life really begins with just submitting to God and submission to Him. Submission to the one who really knows where every path leads. Submission to the one who really knows where every path doesn't lead. You know, submission to the one who really knows what's best for you better than you know what's best for you. Because to really, uh, really to submit to Him. And what I want to do, I want to look at some, uh, some advice that Solomon gave in this regard in, uh, Proverbs chapter 3. Verse 5, Solomon said this. He said, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. You know, our, our culture says trust in your heart. 
But what, what Solomon said was, trust God with your heart. Your heart is, is kind of like the decisional core. It's where you make your life decisions about how you're going to live your life. He's saying, trust God with that. Trust God with, with, with your decisions you're making. And then he says, lean not on your understanding. The word lean, a uh, very simple word, it just means to prop something up against something else. Just something is supporting something else. And it, But it does give you some insight as to what he means by trust, is that we're really to really to lean on God's understanding and the Lord's understanding and not on our own. And so that when the way we think things are, the way we think things ought to be, and the way God thinks things are, when those come into conflict, we really, we really lean hard into Him. We really lean hard into God and really follow Him and go His way. But that was, that was just half of Solomon's advice that he gave right there. He, he said, trust in the Lord, lean not on your understanding. And then he says in verse 6, he says, in all your ways, acknowledge Him. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. He said, in all your ways, not just some of your ways, not just most of your ways, but in all your ways, like your financial ways, your marriage ways, your parenting ways, your work ways, your dating ways, your education ways, all the different ways, different paths that you have in your life to really uh, acknowledge God in those. And then, like, what, you know, what does it mean to acknowledge? Does it mean, like, you stand on the stage and you say, thank you for this award and I'd like to acknowledge God and say thank you to him? That's not what this word means. What this means is, it really means to recognize who God is and his position over you and uh, just to respond accordingly and really to submit to him as the boss. And so when we do those three things, it says, trust in the Lord, lean not on your understanding and acknowledge him in all your ways. What happens is, and he will make your path straight. Now, when you first read that, when you read it real quick, it almost sounds like he's saying, I'll take whatever path you choose and I'll straighten it out. But that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is that when you do trust in the Lord, when you do uh, lean not on your understanding, when you acknowledge him in all your ways and submit to him, what happens is the right way, the right path becomes clear. There's some clarity on the right path and the right decision you need to make. That's what, that's what he's trying to, com- that's what he's trying to communicate there. It'll become, it'll become obvious to you. And also as you look at this verse, what you see is, you know, as you look at what Solomon's saying, you realize that he's not talking about just an information transaction. He's really talking about just a relationship. He's talking about a relationship where he is our father and we as his kids are really communicating with one another. He's sharing with us the things we need to do, the way we need to live, and we're really taking him seriously and putting it into practice. Now, that God really asked us, asked us to trust him, to lean on him, to acknowledge his right to, to rule in our lives. And then the best path would really become clear to us. And that just really that God's direction that we want really begins with just submission to Him. And, you know, as we, as we think through each of the areas of our lives where maybe we need to start again, it can be a humbling experience. It can be, it can be, uh, a time when you just, when you, when you can dwell on like what I should have done, what I should have done. But the reality is, is that if we will just do those things, lean on Him, trust in Him, and really submit to him that God will really give us the path out. Give us really the path to really start again. Now, there's, there's a lot of folks in the Bible. The Bible is full of stories of people who had to start again. Uh, just a few. Uh, one is Moses. Moses, you know, he, he grew up in Pharaoh's court for 40 years. And then he began to, he began to really see that the predicament of his people, the, the Jewish people, and that they were under oppression. And he began to see that there was something that needed to be done. And then he saw an Egyptian guard 
really uh, beaten up and abusing one of the Jewish people. And he steps in and he, out of his own understanding, he, he tries to intervene and he winds up actually uh, killing that Egyptian guard. And he winds up running for his life out into the wilderness and spends 40 years out in the wilderness, uh, just, uh, just, uh, just growing with God and just developing his humility. And then what God does is later he, he actually brings him back and he says, actually that problem you saw, I'm going to actually use you to solve it. And he really started again. Brand new. His story ends very different than it started. And then you look at King David. King David, there's a lot of stories about things, place that he started again. Many, many stories. But one I'd like to, one that, one that dawned on me one time is, you know, there was a time when he really restarted the way he raised his kids. You know, uh, his first kids, his oldest kids, some of them didn't turn out very well. His oldest son tried to take the kingdom. He like conquered, took the king away from him and tried to kill him. His, the next son down was a guy named Adonijah, uh, which is a great name. Uh, but Adonijah is, uh, uh, in first Kings, there's, there's an interesting, he actually tries to take the kingdom away from his dad when his dad's old. And there's a verse in first Kings that just, that just really caught my eye one day. And it says, about David and Adonijah, he says he never rebuked his son. And he asked him, why do you behave as you do? So you get this picture that he, he wasn't very engaged with his, with his, some of his older sons. And that he didn't really, he didn't really rebuke them. He didn't really correct them. He didn't really teach them much. But then you, you look forward, David had some other kids. You know, kids that were born later. And one of those was Solomon. And you look at Solomon's in uh, Proverbs chapter 4. He actually talks about what he learned from his dad. And most of Proverbs chapter 4, he says, this is what my dad taught me when I was a kid. And what you see in there is so many things, and you see what God, what David had really passed on to Solomon. And there was just a real time in David's life when he when he restarted the way he raised his family, and it made a huge difference. Obviously, Solomon turned out pretty well. Um, and then Paul, you look at Paul's life in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul. You know, he, he was one of the best Pharisees. He, he was very religiously zealous. And he, but he saw Christianity as a threat to the way he understood the world. And so he began to, he began to really pursue and he began to really, uh, uh, try to eradicate Christianity, really persecute them. And, but there was a time when God really got his attention and he turned around and he submitted to God. And he really took God seriously. And when, 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 when Paul looked back, on that time, when you look back on that, this is the way he, this is the way he described it. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 9 and 10. It says, For I am the least of the apostles, and not fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me. He, uh, you know, he looked back and he said, you know what, I'm not even fit to be an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. I think when he said those things, it weighed on him. But then he said it was the grace of God that really changed that around. I began to really follow him and walk with him. And God really used him mightily uh, in, the, in the Christian movement. So there's, there's a lot of guys, a lot of folks that have really had to start again. Now, you know, for me, I remember... I remember several years ago, uh, I was the uh, section chief of a design section at the Corps of Engineers, and we put together plans and specification sections that, of projects that needed to be awarded. And my boss, my boss called me into his office one day, and he said, 
Underwood, that was a, you just went on a nice trip, didn't you? And I said, yeah. He says, well, was it a good trip? And I said, yeah. It was great. And he goes, well, good, because there's no more trips for you. I went, okay. Okay. And he said, you know what? He said, uh, we have five projects. The colonel has committed to five projects being awarded this year, this fiscal year. And, and you really, you've got to make sure that happens. And so the teams that, that worked for me and then myself, we all worked really, really hard. And we actually achieved that. We got all those projects awarded. Then the next year, the colonel committed to seven. And so I'm like, okay, seven. So then we all worked really hard and we began, we did, uh, we did seven. Then we got them all done. A lot of, a lot of different kinds of projects. And the next year, there was a stimulus package that was passed, uh, by the, by the, by the president of the Congress that year in 2009. And there were several projects that had to get awarded that year and the colonel committed to several things and, we had to really make that happen. And so, I, you know, you begin to get weary after three years of just really pushing it, making many projects happen. All of us begin to get pretty weary. But we made, we made that. We got those projects awarded. Then that year, after the end of the year, there was like this mini award ceremony that they do uh, each, each end of our fiscal year. And the, the colonel got up and he says, you know, this year we really want to honor a section chief, a section chief of one of our design sections who's really helped and made really all this happen. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, they're talking about me. Oh, well, I wouldn't say all that. You know, I we I did try pretty hard, but, you know, man, my teams are the ones who really pulled this thing off. And and then uh, he goes, you know what, it was, uh, if it weren't for, for his efforts and his leadership, we probably would not, we probably would not have made some of the things that really had to happen this year, I thought. Man, that's getting embarrassing. I hope, I hope, uh, I hope he quits pretty soon before they invite me up there. And, and then he goes, uh, so I'd like to ask, uh, Mr. Steve Vaughn, come on up here. We'd like to say thank. I'm like, oh, that's not me. Uh, and it was actually our other section chief of another design section. They called him up and he had, and they had done some great work too. Done some great work. But in my mind, I began to really, I began to struggle. First of all, I was like, you know what? What was I doing anyway? I mean, why did I think that was me? And then I began to struggle with something I couldn't quite put my hands on. And uh, that during that time, I was reading in the book of Ephesians, and I came to Ephesians chapter 6. It was within a, a day or two of this. I'd like to share that with you. It says, With good will render service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. And that verse, as I read that, I could tell there's something, there's things here I really need to take to heart. And I don't, I don't really understand all that God wants to say with me right now. So I decided I would memorize it and just, and just work on it and just try to see if I can understand what God wanted me to get out of that. So I wrote it down, went to work that day, parked up on the hill like I usually did, walked, as I was walking down the work, I'm working on memorizing this verse. And I said, with goodwill, render service. And the thought that came to my mind was, I've been rendering service. Then I went, with goodwill, render service. I went, oh, goodwill. Goodwill is where I've been having a problem. And I thought, well, why am I having, why am I having a problem with goodwill? And as I, and so I, I began to ask, what, what, why am I having a trouble with that? And right then, right then, God just put, made something crystal clear to me. And that was that I had to forgive the colonel. I had become bitter. I had started to become bitter towards our colonel because he kept committing us to stuff. 
he was writing checks and I was out there trying to cash them and, and I had begun, I'd begun to become bitter towards him and I had, I just didn't even see it. But that became very clear to me and I, and I realized that what I need, I had to start over. I had to start over in just the goodwill that I had with work. I had to, I had gotten off track. And so I, I had, so I did. I, I forgave the colonel. I just kind of laid out the things that I was frustrated with with him and I just released him from it and I forgave him for that. And then I, began to really work at having goodwill at work. Now, I really think, I really think that that was pivotal in me progressing further in work. You know, what you don't do is give leadership to someone who's like bitter and walking around mad at everybody all the time. And I really, I really think that God getting my attention that way and helping me to see how I needed to start over, it really opened up a path for me for continued advancement. And it made all the diff- it made a lot of huge difference in, in my career. So starting over, starting over, you know, all of us, all of us, right now, if we think through our lives, all of us will find things where you know what. I need to retool that. I need to I need to work different in that area. I need things aren't turning out the way I'd hoped in that area. And so I'd like to leave us with just some questions this morning, for us to for each of us just to consider this week as we go through the end of this year and the start of next. And that is, where, where have I been leaning on my own understanding? Just that question. Where have I been leaning on my own understanding? Just trying to figure things out all by myself. Another question would just be, in what area of my life do I need to start again? In what area of my life do I need to start again? Um, where in my life am I, am I struggling with right now? And then the third question would just be, Am I willing to seek out God's what uh, God's thoughts in that area and submit to Him? Am I willing to really investigate God's thoughts in that area and really submit to Him? Those are some questions to ask this week as we as we think through. And so I'd like to ask the band to go ahead and, and come back up as we go through some next steps. And then uh, also, if you if you haven't finished filling out your connection card, now's a good time. Go ahead and finish that out, and you can uh, drop that in the bucket when it comes by. We do the offering, and maybe you know, maybe for you as you're as you're th- thinking this morning, as you're listening this morning, maybe for you you need to identify one area where you need to start again. Just identify one area, and maybe maybe you need to search the scripture for God's thoughts in that area. Maybe for you, a next step is just to search the scriptures for God's thoughts in that area, and then you know, maybe maybe for some, just to get some time with someone who walks with God and has done well in that area. And get some advice from them. So just get some time with someone who's really had some experience in that area, done well, and they really walk with God and ask them for their advice. Let me pray and we'll get back to the service. Dear God, Father, just uh, very grateful to you that you do care about us, that you don't give up on us. And that, God, you take an active role if we will just choose to meet you there and to pay attention to what you say. And, God, I just pray this morning that each one of us, God, would uh, really walk with you, find, just identify an area where we need to start over. And God, just really take the advice you give and really take it to heart. In Jesus' name, amen.